Hey everybody, welcome to episode 113 of For the Love of Guns. This is the podcast about the people, the products, and the priorities of the firearms culture. It's my pleasure to welcome Josh and Cole from Fix It Sticks. Now before we talk to them, it's time to pay the bills and this episode is brought to you by Falco Holsters. Man, they are my go-to holsters because of their handmade quality. Absolute awesome holsters. Definitely go check them out because they can make a holster for any gun, every budget, without sacrificing quality. And use the checkout code BANSHEE to save yourself 10%. This episode is also brought to you by Ammo Squared. It's time to think about ammo differently. We can think about it as ammo. We can also think about it as an investment. And if we think about it as an investment, we change our thought processes about how we're buying our ammo. And they're doing that over at Ammo Squared. You can use dollar cost averaging to get ammo. Let's face it, ammo goes you know all over the place, just like the stock market or even precious metals. You can use that dollar cost average. So if you buy something that's high, you can buy something that's really low and it just kind of evens that out. And you can get your shipments anytime. They'll ship that thing out within one to two days and they can send it just about anywhere. Go check out Ammo Squared. I have a link down below. Now with the bills paid, it's time to talk about Fix-It Sticks. Josh and Cole, tell me about your love of guns. Sure. My name is Joshua Friedman. I'm the Director of National Sales for Fix-It Sticks. And uh, I handle all sales for commercial, military, law enforcement, government, basically, and uh, our outside sales teams. So you're a busy guy. I mean, that's that's not an easy job with all those. All, I mean, you, you decided to pick all the big stuff to, to represent for the sales. Sure. Why not? <laughs> you're go, go big or go home. Exactly. Exactly. Now. Fix it's been around for a little while. It's, it's so funny. Is, uh, for those in the audience that, that don't know what fix it sticks are, they're, you know, essentially, essentially they're little kits. Basically, when I go to the range, this is my primary toolkit when I go to the range. Um, and it weighs about five pounds. Um, and it's got full size of everything. But fix it sticks has like these kits, like almost packs and, and compressing, you know, compressing this stuff down to. <laughs> tools that you need but it's not going to take up like an entire range bag itself so if i can interject here so what we usually tell people yeah. when talking about fix it sticks it's we bring a benchtop experience to the field we take the tools that should be you know used for working on your firearms uh you know disassembly reassembly not so much cleaning but we integrate with cleaning systems and we, we take that and give you a benchtop experience in the field. We're not a replacement per se for all of your, your gunsmithing needs. Like we have a castle nut wrench, part AR kits and, and kits that work with black rifles. Those will snug up a castle nut wrench. They're not going to torque it to spec. You need a full armor's wrench. But we give you something that's going to be, you know, sub one pound or pound and a half. Right. That's going to give you all the punches and bits and drivers and torque limiters and everything you can need to mount optics, disassemble, reassemble, uh, chassis, you know, unbed a gun from a chassis, things like that. See, and that's that's what I love about the concept of fix it stick. Because for me, you know, being a, a gunsmith, 
I'm used to having all the tool, you know, the whole workbench, everything with me. Mm-hmm. That's why my that's why I have a five pound toolkit is I just take punches and hammer. I take all the stuff from my bench to go to the field. And it's it's always great to have a kit that is you know, like like you said, it's not everything, but it's everything you need at the range. Like I don't need a full size torque wrench at the range. If I'm if I need a full size torque wrench at the, at the range, I'm bringing a rifle back to the shop, right? But if I need to torque down, you know, scope rings or a red dot or, or you know, like you said, take take a rifle out of a chassis to work on it for something, you know, fix a trigger or change a trigger out. You can do that with a with a really nice kit that just fits inside of your range bag. A hundred percent. Yes. And, you know, when it comes to torque limiters, you say you'd work with a full size torque limiter. We have two uh, what we call all in one torque limiters, and they're approximately that big. They fit on a quarter inch shank onto our T handles. One is a six to twenty five inch pound and the other is a fifteen to sixty five. That's going to handle the majority of anything from handgun dot optics through barrel changes like on the SIG MCX and MPX, um, mounting scope bases, things like that. <clears throat> and then we also offer dedicated torque limiters from four inch pounds, which is like night force turrets, exactly yeah. with those. And then we go all the way up to 80 to 100 inch pounds that we sell on the website now. So if you really wow. needed some of those heavier torque values. I know we do a hundred inch pound for Daniel defense for their, I think it's their AR 10 platform for a barrel. And, you know, you can do that. So you can have a lot of these things that are, you know, mere inches in length taking the place over everything else. Cause keep in mind, we do work in inch pounds. Okay. Right. Meters, inch pounds, Newton. That's like SAE metric. We're not, if if something needs to start getting into foot pounds, like you said, take it back to the shop. Take it back to the bench. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's where you need, that's where you, that's where you need to just realize your day at the range is done. You need to, you need to bring it back in. Like, um, and that's what I like is I love the, you know, you have, I had up earlier on the webpage here, you have the cartridges, the small torque limiters are basically the cartridges here. Those, um, well, they're dedicated torque limiters. Right. Um, basically, what's interesting with those is they utilize a slip clutch internally. So as you're tightening, it's just going to, you're going to hear very minute little click, 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 click. As soon as you hear the first click, it's already on to spec and it will never over torque. So a lot of guys that are doing red dot optics for handguns, for instance, really like that 30 inch that we do because that's what most of them are calling for. And right. it's just snug it up, turn till you hear click, turn till you click. You, you're never going over your torque spec. See, and that's and that's important because when you start going over, like if I start pulling out uh, other wrenches, I start torquing something down. It'll a lot of these things will allow you to over torque, and what, at that point, you're starting to strip screws, you're starting to damage slides, you start to damage rings. <laughs> Um, and people don't really understand how important it is to torque something correctly. Um, because proper, proper torque. torque. Go on. Sorry. No, I <laughs> know. Uh, go ahead. I, yeah. Go ahead. The proper torque. No, what I was, 
what I was just going to say is when it comes to proper torque, people don't realize that the heavier torque values are a little easier to fudge. It's when you're dealing with those T6s and T10s yeah. that only have 12 inch pounds of tinsel strength. So if you go to 13, 14 inch pounds, you'll shear a screw head. Yep. Then you got to take it to a gunsmith and have an extraction and it's a project. Yeah. And that's, that's the thing is you just by doing that, you could spend more at pulling the screws out than it would just been to buy the tool correctly the first time. Exactly. Precisely. Uh, I mean, and don't get me wrong. When I, when I was a gunsmith and I was doing all that stuff, it was, you know, it, it was great for business when people would do things incorrectly because then that meant I made I made money. But at the same time, it's like sure. I would tell I would teach people. It's like, look, you really kind of need to do this correctly. This is how to do it correctly. Yes, I have all the mm -hmm. tools here, but you might want to start thinking about this stuff. Um, you might want to start thinking about you know picking up a torque wrench, doing some work, because I've seen people that just go in there. They, they, you know, it's Tim the Toolman Taylor, right? They, they get a screwdriver on something, and then they just, they think that they've got to torque this thing so tight that that's what's going to happen when it actually, you can actually degrade the accuracy when you go too tight. Especially when it comes to optics, because you can distort the tube, and by distorting the tube, even the slightest, you can definitely have deviation from point of impact or if we're talking barrel nuts and things like that you're not going to return to zero each time so hey cole's jumping on That's... with us here cole's jumping hey, on. hey cole how are you doing good how are you guys doing good how are good. you doing good sorry i was uh i had some guys walk in i was talking to and i got sidetracked but i'm here that's fine. We were at, we were actually just talking about twerking down some optics, and uh, you know the importance. You know, we were talking about you know there's people that get out there that you know they just over torque everything. They just they, they don't even torque it right. They just pull screwdriver out. They just go to they go to town on a screw, and we were just talking about you know over torquing screws, especially with optics. You can actually do more. You know you can actually be less accurate. You, you know you start flexing the tubes, start crushing tubes and things like that, we actually be detrimental to, you know, accuracy where if, and if you go even too far, you could shear off screws where you need a gunsmith, where you could have just bought the right tool to begin with and it'd be right. cheaper. Right. I mean, you get the erector, the erector system in it is what moves, right? It's what you get your elevation right. out of. And the biggest issue with like, you know, loophole or vortex, I've had conversations with a lot of them. They get a lot of people that come back and send their optics in, and they said, "All right, what did you torque it to?" And they're like, uh, "What do you mean? What did you torque it to?" I just did it till the <laughs> till the rings touched. Well, guess what? In most of these, the rings aren't supposed to touch. You know, they're supposed to have right. a little bit of a gap, and they're precision rings. And you know, a lot of that goes into quality rings and things like that. But it's all about the quality portion of it too. Yeah, because it's it really. <clears throat> No, I was Good. just saying that where we kind of come in handy with stuff like that is for people that are taking the next evolutions. Um, so we handle that beginner client that's coming in that wants to learn to do something and, uh, and gives them the basic tools. It could just be our all-in-one rifle optics kit, which is our number one bestseller. And then we go all the way up to like field armorers for somebody like yourself 
that wants to be able to work in the field and fix things. Uh, you know, you say that it's a range saver, and I've had this numerous times that people told me they bring their rifle, they drove an hour, they have an ACOG, for instance, and it's loose. So what do you do? You can't snug it up or your buffer becomes loose. You want to snug it up and save the day. But at the same time, if you're a three-gun competitor, a PRS competitor, any of that, this could mean the difference between saving your match or not. And yeah. in some cases, military law enforcement, it could be a life-saving thing. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. That, I mean, that's, that's what I was thinking. You know, for me, I'm so used to when I go out for competition, uh, like I said, I, man, I bring like every, you know, I try to, if I could bring my bench with me to a competition, I would. Um, but that's, it's not realistic. Uh, everybody laughs when I open up my trunk and I got, you know, more tools than I could ever think of. You know, I've, I've brought sight pushers just in case somebody needed a sight pushed. But that's the thing is getting those down to a compact, um, you know, compact kit while you're at a match. Because there's nothing like your gun going down at a match and not having the tool to fix it because now you're down your match fee, which is not that much. Um, you lose your, you lose the match, right? Cause you're now DQ'd from the match because you can't continue. Um, and you know, you kind of get upset, right? Um, keeping the gun running, but I love what you're talking about with law enforcement, because if something goes down, well, I mean, let's face it, you know, law enforcement is not, you know, gentle on their firearms, right? I mean, you know, watching watching an officer going for their AR or their shotgun in that rack, if they're doing it, you know, if they're getting that gun out, they're getting it out with a purpose, right? It's not like, oh, let me just put this into this thing. They're they're grabbing it out because they need it to save their life. Things happen, right? I mean, after a while, they, you know, optics will loosen, things like that. It's being able to fix that in the field is critical. Like like, like you said, it could be life saving. And one of the things that I've been talking about is we have expanded handgun kits now. We have a handgun optics kit, we have our Glock tool kit, and we have our Sig Sauer handgun kit. Um, more and more shooters now are going to red dot optics for defensive carry. And what they don't realize is that every single optic that's out there is asking for, for you to retorque every three to 500 rounds roughly. So if you go out and do a course, you go to a range day, anything happens there and you shoot 500 rounds and then you're just gonna put your gun back in, you know, and carry it, there's a good chance that it could be loose. And then when it comes to a critical life-saving thing, you know, having the right tools for the right job will allow you to have repeatable accuracy, whether it's defensive or, you know, precision match. Yeah, and, and that's the thing is, uh, especially now, you know, I'm actually going to grab one of the guns. Uh, I actually just mounted a red dot on this SIG P365 right here. Uh, the advantage of having a pre-recorded podcast is we can handle firearms. Um, so with red dots now, I mean, we mill slides out so that way we can mount red dots on slides. Where this is where all of our abusive forces are right here. Whereas, you know, the old days, you know, we used to have a bridge that used to come off and then you're, you're you know, of course, red dots were like this big back in the day, right? Yeah. They were off of the slide, but now we mount them on they the slide. They were side mounted. Are, yeah. Right. So now, now we're starting to beat that optic up 
with the slide, you know, the recoil of the gun. Um, and a lot of people don't realize, you know, they go, yes, but like this red dot came with some screws with some Loctite on it. I'm like, yeah, but do you want to like bet your life on a little bit of Loctite or just pull out a torque wrench? You know, for me, I, I, you know, I go through different carry guns depending on what product I'm testing with. Um, and I'll retorque these things like after I get done at the range. Because uh, I'm usually, you know, my round count at the range is usually around around 500. Um, and, it, mm -hmm. and if for some reason the gun doesn't go to the range, uh, I retorque usually about every two months just to make sure. Well, if you're carrying that gun, you know, just yeah, the it, shock alone, things can back out. It happens. Loctite is a stopgap. It's not the end-all, yeah. be-all. Uh -huh. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And I love, uh, I love being able to just have a tool, which you have, you know, I had up here earlier, the, uh, the handgun optics. Let me bring that back up here again. The um, other thing along the military, along the LE lines is, you know, you have your armors. So you usually every department, every bigger department has an armors and we do have the armor kit so that the armor has everything he needs to fix ARs, pistols, whatever he needs to fix on the fly, but it's also nice for each individual officer to have a small set that they can do this with. And, you know, that's one of those things. I'm like, I've had this discussion with many LE people. Like if your life depends on it, wouldn't you want to double check that all the time? You know, wouldn't, isn't that something that you should just, you know, in the military, we call it PMCS, you know, your preventive maintenance checks and services. So you're trying to prevent issues. Now I get attacked all the time on our social media you you nothing falls apart we go to the range nothing ever comes loose so my response to every one of them is you've never shot enough if you haven't been yeah. to the range and something hasn't come loose there's too many moving parts in every one of these rifles and every one of these pistols there's too much moving shit so it's so hard to try and get through those people's heads that maybe this isn't for you but for you guys that are going out there and you're you're training the way that you should be training, in my opinion, um, you know, life and death situations and stuff. But the cool thing is, is there's a different kit for everybody, or there's a kit that you can buy. And what I did with all my personal kits is I bought certain kits and then I just started adding stuff to them and yeah. kind of made them unique for me, which is super cool about fixing sticks. And, and we offer pouches if somebody wanted to kind of custom do things. And to just sound cool on what you were just kind of talking about there, something that more people can, you know, maybe they don't shoot enough. But if you look at it, I tell people all the time, you know, look at how much I travel. I'm on a flight probably twice, you know, two round trips a month is roughly my schedule when I'm traveling. You know, and then somebody says, oh, I've never had a plane delayed. I've never missed a flight. I've never, <laughs> you haven't, you haven't done enough. You haven't traveled Trust enough. Me, it's yeah. going to happen. And it's the same thing, you know, inevitably, I remember years ago, we went up on a hunting trip and wanted to plane. I brought up a SIG 229 and fired three rounds and the trigger string broke. Gun went down, had nothing to fix yeah. it up at the time. This was going back, you know, eight years ago or something where I was here. Mm -hmm. See, and I, 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 you know, I love to, to talk about that travel uh, because for me, I travel with firearm, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I don't, I, I don't travel with a toolkit, right? Um, that's just something that has never, it never really, 
usually uh, usually I'm packing for something else and the firearm is secondary. But that is that's really a problem with my carry when I travel that I didn't think about before is what does happen if my firearm goes down. Now optics, you know, carry optics has become a, a thing recent for me. I've been a you know a, an iron sights guy forever. But now it's it's getting harder and harder, especially getting older and lazier. Putting a dot on something and squeezing the trigger makes a little more, e you know, makes it a little bit easier. But thinking about that now is um, how many times, and, you know, and when I'm in hotel rooms, I'm dry fire. You know, instead of watching TV, I dry fire, and you know, I I do dry fire practice. I'm working that gun, even though I'm not going to fire it. What would happen if my firearm went down? And I didn't have just the basics. You know, I, I sit there and think about what's in my car. I have a basic toolkit in my car. I have, you know, um, a med kit in my car. I have a tire, you know, a, a jump box. I have all this stuff. But when I travel with my firearm, I have the firearm, a holster, and some ammo. So I didn't, I'm not preparing correctly to travel with a firearm. And that's something that I'm going to have to net. Now start thinking of so so if we run into each other at shot I know what's going to happen is we're going to I'm going to get the question of what's your what's your kit for your gun now right well I uh, I talk at it like this if you're a cook in a kitchen you never think about the fire extinguisher but when you really need yeah. the fire extinguisher you're going holy shit you know it's just a it's it's amazing it's the little things that you miss when you're planning or you're doing anything like that anytime I travel my small fix-it sticks goes in every one of my and i've actually accidentally carried my fix-it sticks on with my carry-on then they let me go i don't know how because I, I get i could stab somebody with a key <coughs> handle pretty easy but <laughs> it's it's funny because i've i've flown numerous times with fix-it sticks going to different events and usually for me, it's a little bit more critical because it's a new item sometimes that I'm taking to show or a prototype, yeah. which is a little bit riskier carrying that. And while we are not TSA approved by any stretch, it's it's subjective. I've never had a problem. Usually what they do is I've had them look at my toolkits. They say there's no drill bits in here. I said there's no drill bits. It's just screwdrivers. And say when it comes to a screwdriver, I believe six inches is the, the legal limit that they allow for a screwdriver. So we're within that spec with that. And you can carry on, I mean, I'd say nine times out of 10, but I mean, I'm not going to put a guarantee on something, yeah. but I've flown a lot with them. It, it's funny because uh, for, my, for my day job, I've been in IT for uh, over 25, 25 years. Uh, we've traveled. This is perfect tool for that job. <laughs> right? Exactly. Um, what's so funny is, is that I know other people. You know, I've also, uh, I've been basically dedicated to cybersecurity for the past, uh, what, 15 years now. So we carry a lot of very sensitive gear, right? Because we're either doing pen testing or, or stuff like that. And some of the stuff when we travel, uh, let's face it, luggage kind of gets lost, right? I learned from a, a, actually a guy that did physical security. He travels with guns in his luggage. He, every time he has critical gear that's got to show up, he declares a firearm, checks it in, in with that, and that look that piece of luggage or you know gear will always show up on the other side because he's got a firearm um mm -hmm. 
it, it's just weird how his stuff never gets lost, but all of our stuff that we don't put guns into suddenly disappear. I want I want to hit a caveat to that though is everybody thinks that you buy one of our kits and it's going to fix everything. And there's no way that that one kit can fix everything you want. I mean, I have pistols, I have different things and that's kind of what I wanted to really hit is the ability to versa, versa, versatility your uh, your kit. Like, you know, in my pistol kits, they have the universal limiter, which is new, which we really enjoyed, you know, coming out with, but putting extra little bits and punches and different things in there because there's room in every one of those. But I always get people commenting on our social media like, well, well, I thought I was going to have this. How do you expect us to put all this stuff yeah. into this little pouch that's this big, you know, and it's just it's it's what is cool about fix it six is you can add to it and everybody kind of needs to realize that it's not going to be if you buy one kit it's not going to fix everything unless you no. spend you know the top dollar and spend everything but we also get a lot of people like holy crap this is how much and it's like all right well how much did you just spend on your optic how much did you just spend on your rifle you know my optics alone or you know my good ones are two to four thousand dollars so anybody that really has quality stuff they've got to have quality tools to do it because we have seen we've tested some of our competitors and they're plus or minus in some instances 30 inch pounds 40 inch pounds i've seen some of the 60 inch pounds so if if a That's scope awful. tube is it uh you know the average scope tube is between 50 and 25 inch pounds you go to 40 to 60 inch pounds on a scope tube you've ruined that scope once you yeah. collapse it and that's one of the things is you, you, we always say it in the long range precision games, you buy once, cry once. So don't, yeah. don't go out there and expect to buy the cheapest thing off the shelf and it to be perfect every time because they don't test it and they don't evaluate their stuff like we do. And, and that's important. You know, there's... That, it's really important to say because, uh, you know, Cole, I know you're a long range shooter. We, we've talked offline and um, when you buy the gun, Typically, that's the cheapest part of the gun is the actual gun itself. Um, unless you're spending, you know, a, I'm not going to go out and buy a four thousand dollar, you know, PRS gun, and then I'm going to put a thousand dollar scope on it. It's just, it's not going to work. I'm, it's not going to, re, you know, I'm not going to get the potential out of that firearm with that scope. I'm going to, it's going to be a very expensive piece of glass that I'm putting on to see, you know. 1,500 yards and, and, and beyond. So if I am putting out that much money on gear, why would I not have the tools to do it correctly at that point? Um, because, uh, you know, if you crush a tube, you probably crush a tube on a $4,000 scope. Are, are they going to warranty that? Maybe, maybe not. You know, they might say it's abuse. I, I would just rather not crush. I would just rather not crush too to begin with. Yeah, mm -hmm. I don't. You know, I'm not in the. I'm not in the job. Of, you know, I'm not. My job's not to test people's warranties, right? My job is to keep a gun running and and test a gun. So yeah, I want the I want the best tool to get my job done. If you're spending that type of money, definitely consider that because uh, you know. I had the torque limiters up earlier. It's, those things are just really, the one thing I like about them is they're just kind of stupid easy to work with. Um, you know, I, I like the universal one. At first, when I when I first saw the universal one, I was like, 
okay, I kind of like the I kind of like the click, but then the what happens when I don't have a click to the correct for you know to the the correct spec that I need? Um, you know what happens if I'm doing something at you know 18 inch pounds and there's not a you know there's not a cartridge for it and I can just sit there and just run that thing up to 18 and I'm done. Yeah. Um, so you got to remember I love there's that. a plus or minus there though. There's always a <coughs> yeah, plus. Or there minus. is. There is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the, there's roughly a uh, like a 10% deviation, eight to 10% on the all-in-ones, and about a percent deviation on the dedicated. Whenever we're we're talking to the public, we always say that the dedicated torque limiters are for precision, and then the all-in-one torque limiters allow for versatility. And that's yeah. going to be because you can fudge the numbers a little bit more in between. It'll stretch its legs longer than a dedicated one. And we try and hit most of the most common, you know, whether it's, you know, in inch pounds, which is the most common for like vortex scope rings, right. 65 inch pounds bases, um, 64 inch pounds for guys that have stars that need to do barrel work. I mean, we, we try to cover that. We And we go almost every four pounds, four inch pounds. Yeah. The biggest killer of these is when people try to remove stuff with, it still in. Oh, so yeah. they've got to do think not do about, that. And it says right yeah. on it, do not do it. But our so our base kit with our our very base kit with the with the limiter is our all in one, which comes with the big red one. Um, and they start at about a hundred, hundred and twelve dollars right in there. And you can add and kind of subtract. You know, a lot of people look at our ads and things and they see the works kit. And the works kit's you know two hundred sixty, two hundred seventy dollars, but it has so much more stuff. But you can start with that $112 kit and add, you know, what you need. Maybe you don't need a, a you know, castle nut wrench. Maybe you don't need some of that stuff. So you can add, and there's plenty of room in each one of these bags to do that. But you've got to understand that there is two different major um, all-in-ones, which is the little blue one that you were just showing for pistols and optics. I like to use that one for my optics because I can hit that 15 or it can hit smaller. And then the bigger one I use for mounting my bases, my big rings, uh, chassis in the scopes. So I have both of them and they both have a really distinct, uh, you know, thing there. The other thing that I want to hit on is the accessories that we have. Um, I just, I saved uh, two match shooters at one of the biggest national matches in the country a few weeks ago with our cleaning rod kit. And everybody keeps coming to me, why would you need a cleaning rod kit? Well, it's not necessarily to clean your rifle. It's to get stuck cases out. It's to knock stuff out of there. And both of these guys would have never been able to complete the match had we not had our little basic cleaning rod kit that's extremely inexpensive. But, you know, you've got to look past the what, what am I, am I just going to clean my rifle with it? Probably not. But there's other things that are going to save matches. And, you know, we kind of hit on that in the beginning. But we have so many, you know, the Remington 700 bolt disassembly tool. Uh, there's so many other things on the website that people don't know about. They think, oh, we yeah. just sell these little teeny kits, but that's just that's just the tip of the iceberg. It, it's funny you kind of opened up Pandora's box with the the Remington 700 bolt tool because that is got to be one of the coolest things that I, I've seen. You know, working on rifles and stuff, you know, it's it's kind of a pain to take those bolts apart. You guys basically made a bottle opener. For a 700, you know, Remington 700 bolt. I mean, it just kind of goes, it kind of goes up, kind of grabs it, clicks, you click it, and then 
you just, just you just made that horrible job a lot easier to take that bolt apart. I, I usually tell people that if you can open a beer, you can use the tool. Yeah, it's 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 totally it's that true. simple. Uh, it's that simple. It's it's so cool. It's funny as we're talking, I'm trying. I'm scrolling on another tab here, trying to find it off the web page uh, because it is it is one of the coolest tools that I've seen, and it's it's. Um, it's just stupid easy to use, right? Now, I mean, there's, there's another one called the Kleindors tool that's out there all over the place, and people use it, but they're extremely expensive, right? This is right. super inexpensive. The only bad discounted thing is everybody thinks, oh, 700 tool, so any 700 clone. That's not necessarily true because every different company has a different bolt nose on their right. uh, actions. So it's just something you got to kind of, you can call in and you can talk to us about it. But this should work on about everything. I have Kelby's, I have Impacts, I have a bunch of other stuff, and these will work on them fine. Uh, you just have to use them a little bit different. But most people are like, why would you ever want to do that? And most people don't know there is, you do need to do preventive maintenance on your springs and your firing pins and stuff and keep it rust-free. And different things like that because you can have uh, incorrect you know firing where they don't hit they have light strikes they have crap in there so this goes yep. through and you can open it up pull it up grease it clean it do whatever you want to do put it back together uh, i did a video on it a while back and i think i did the whole thing in like under a minute and a half took it apart cleaned it did the grease put it back together and away we went it was super simple and inexpensive and that's just that's the cool thing about this we're taking you know a task that most gun owners don't really know to do, right? And we're now making it easier, educating them that, hey, there's something that you should be doing. Let's do this. It's it's part of your whole process of maintaining your firearm. I mean, you know, I think about when I was a kid, the way I learned how to clean a firearm, you know, I've been shooting a little over 40 years now. When I was little and I started learning how to shoot, the way I clean a gun then versus the way I clean a gun now is completely different. There's a lot more things. You know, before it was like, okay, you know, we're going to clean the barrel. We're going to, anywhere I think I can get, I'm going to get with a patch or a toothbrush or something in there. Now, now it's okay. Let's take, you know, let's, let's take this thing off. Let's take a barrel off. Let's take a slide apart a little bit. Um, and then let's do some deep cleaning. And that is a great tool to do that because I'm thinking of just doing gunsmithing work. How many, you know, how many problems have been solved by just cleaning a gun, right? Getting into an area that needs to be clean and cleaning. And that's where that tool, that's what I really like about that tool. Um, because, you know, it's, it, it is like opening, it's like opening a beer bottle. Um, as long as it, it, you know you have the correct, you know the the bolts that fit that, because that's a a whole nother conversation about 700 actions. There's so many out, out there, you have no idea what you're getting into. Make sure that you you get the tool correct for your firearm. That one may not be for your action, but it, from what I can see, it fits a lot of them. So some interesting things. I mean, we do something with Christensen. They have a kit that they buy that, and, and we, we sell that to them through Christensen Arms. It's on a work on most of your generic, you know, Remington, the true Remington action. Um, I was actually doing an event with some sales guys that work with Bergara, and 
are one of their night things is that they actually specialize that you do not need a tool to take their bolt apart, even though it's a 700 action. It's just what they do. And they tried to take one apart. And by turning that, then it got stuck and it wouldn't go. And then they couldn't get it back into position. So we were able to just fudge it enough with that tool to get that angled spring on the bottom there to lift that we were able to then spin that back on. So it at least saved that bolt from having to go to a gunsmith to work with that. It's not perfect for it, but you can get it kind of done. So there, there's a ver- variety of it. And yeah, I mean, like you said before, and Cole said, you know, we can't make a kit for everything. I can't, right. it's too hard to make too many tools for so many different things like that. We have generic kits. We have product specific kits for different platforms and everything somewhere there in between. And that's, you know, and those can be built out, like he was saying, with further accessories. We have new things coming up. There'll be new debuts of things, products that are coming out at SHOT Show. I think we're going to have five new products at SHOT. <laughs> oh, that's going to be cool. Yeah. The other thing I want to kind of hit on, I get this a lot. There's a video circulating of me in one of our ads. I'm in one of my military outfits. And it says trusted by the U.S. military. And we keep getting all these comments. Oh, if it was really in the military, you wouldn't do it. Here's the thing. The military tier one units are using these. So if anybody knows what tier one units are, your yeah. special forces. So, so I'm like a tier 10. I, yeah. you know, me, I'm like a tier 10. So, mm-hmm. yeah. But, these guys, for everybody listening, these are, you know, these are your SEALs, your... These are the the top guys mm-hmm. that are doing this stuff. And so that's kind of what separates. Yes, we in the military, we beat the hell out of everything. And most of a lot of the guys didn't know how to fix. And I get that. But we're talking about when we say trusted by U.S. military, we're talking about the people that <coughs> put it to the real test, that use it yeah. in combat. They're in theater using it. They know that they've got to fix stuff to maintain stuff. Um, you know, SIL teams, when they're down, they're constantly maintaining their equipment. And a lot of them have our stuff stashed in their kit, you know, and that's what they're using. And why, if they're using it, why wouldn't the rest of everybody else trust to do it? And I'm not trying to do a sales push there, but no, you I just think about it. Think about it in common sense. If they're trusting their lives on it and the lives of their team, you could probably trust, you know, your your life on it too, because there's a lot of stuff out there being sold now today that, um, you know, is on the shelf. You can go buy it anytime, but you kind of twist it. Like, ah, I don't know, I might break the tool before I ever get it done, you know. And it's like, okay, could I have spent just a little bit more money and got what I knew I needed to get? And that's kind of the the thing that we're trying to hit there. It's trusted by tier one military units and there's a reason why i can i can say i've I've, i'm just gonna say i can say i have been contacted by a variety of seal teams um they went for requalification continuing education type things and the marine corps uh cadre teaching all the instructors had it had our kits so therefore now that those seal teams wanted them for those we get contact from fort bragg you know, fifth special forces, seven special forces, any of those. So we do get contact directly from those, you know, various other LE agencies from the Secret Service to, you know, the Bureau, Federal Bureau of Investigation, and everything else in between, Homeland Security. 
So, and then we also had the SDMR contract with H&K on their 416, 14. So we did the toolkit for that. And then we still did a toolkit for Barrett for the ASR Mark 22 sniper rifle program. So, so they are, like he said, in used by top tier, tier one. Dealers. So yeah, like you guys are going, that's the thing about top tier. Top, the top tier gets to choose whatever they want, right? They, they choose it for their mission. They choose it because that's what works. Um, you know, if if this person wants, you know, an M9 over an M11 or whatever they want to choose for their mission, they get to choose it. If they're putting their life behind that firearm and what's maintaining that firearm, because, I mean, let's face it, you know, if, if you're a SEAL, things are going to get wet. They're going to get wet in salty water. They're going to get set, uh, wet in brackish water, fresh water. They're... they're it, this stuff is going to break. They're the ones that's going to maintain it out there. If they're using that tool to fix that, it's for me be, having two bad knees, a bad back, bad shoulder. It's going to work for me too out out at the range, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just that simple. And quite frankly, good tools are worth are worth their weight in gold. They are. When you have something goes down, you need something to fix. That's why, I mean, that's why I held up this late earlier. That's why this kit exists um, for me going out to the range because I'm trying to take all my good tools there with me to the range. But now I don't need a five-pound kit to maintain something. Like if I'm going out working with a Glock, I can just have a Glock kit, toss it in my range bag, I'm done. Mm -hmm. um, you know, a generic kit, you know, I, I can't tell you how many castle nuts have just come loose on um, – I have an AR-10 that this thing, uh, it, it's got a nickname of Shake and Bake because this thing rattles everything. Um, if you have a bad product, this rifle finds it. I don't know how it does it, but it just does. Um, there's been more times I've had to go out there, retorque things uh, on that rifle. I, I, I find problems really quick that. That's where it's great to have the correct tool. Yeah, you know, I have... I've been out there where I've had to retorque a handguard on an AR. And um, it's just because you know it was time it it was time to retorque it. Uh, I didn't I didn't do my preventative maintenance on that gun. And quite frankly, I was out there shooting you know, I was filming for other things. And it was my playtime. So it was mm -hmm. the rifle that just did not get the maintenance and all of a sudden my handguard started twisting a little bit. I'm like, oh mm. It'd be nice to have a torque wrench, but I'm just gonna I'm just gonna kind of hand feel this one, and I'll just torque it when I get back to the uh, back to the shop. Right, and there's there's a certain time I want to hit on that real quick. There's a certain time to check your torques. It's not when you're shooting. It's not when oh. you're going oh shit trying to draw your pistol. It's not that. It's prior. You know, hunters is the same thing. I get people hunting. You know, talking about hunting stuff all the time. I'm like, man, I just can't hit a target. I don't know what's going on. Well, did you go through it and did you torque check your torques? Did you check everything before? Well, no, I hunted with it last year and threw it in the safe. Well, maybe that's your problem. Stuff's come loose in the meantime, and now you're trying to go hunt with it or you're trying to go train with it and everything's loose. There's a time to where you sit down and you go through that, that item, that rifle, that pistol, whatever it is, and you check all that. Yes, you have the kit in case shit hits the fan while you're in training, but you're doing that prior to you going out and doing yeah. it. The other cool thing is um, 
recently a lot of people ask, you know, I don't know what my torque values are. No idea. The cool thing is, is Fix the Six now has a section on the website that gives the, the most used torque values on a lot of the items. So you can go on there and you've got different optics and stuff and you can see exactly what torque values you need to go with what's recommended there. Because the, the crazy thing like in, in rifles, the scope company gives you a torque value and the optics company gives you a torque value. And you've got to kind of decipher what you're going to go and try to hit in between and stuff like that. But that's all stuff that, uh, you know, you guys that are listening need to kind of go through and do prior to hitting the range or anything else. And then, of course, you're taking a kit with you to make sure you don't, something doesn't happen while you're at it. But yeah, like you're showing torque specs by brand. So they spent a lot of time on this. And it's a cool freaking thing to be able to go on there and pull it up and just do all your torque specs. And it's, it's a living document. We're, we're constantly time for there's times where I've got something in, like, oh crap, um, you know, this optic didn't come with any torque specs. You're always looking for something, and that's where it's nice to see, um, you know, I, like thought right here. We always think optic, but right there is the front, the front sight screw, six inch mounts. Um, it's not just, I mean, torque is not just for optics; it's for other things as well. And I love this i you have no idea how many times i've gone to this page just to look something up for a torque spec it's 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 awesome um i also love the card that you guys came out with that's that's a new Um, so we have two new features on the website one that's the torque spec card that comes in our long range and three gun kit but these can now be downloaded so that way if you don't have those kits you can add these to your regular kits they also show on opposite side of that inch pounds to newton meters so that sae to metric kind of conversion with that so we now have this as a free download and also we just did a uh, sight in target which is a new download from us yes. that you can download and you know for when you're doing sighting in after you do all your mounting and that's the thing is it was so funny where people are <laughs> I, i've had customers come up to me and go what's a newton meter before um and i'm like well, where where'd you come up with that and like i was watching this youtube video i'm like i i was that was a video that probably came out of europe wasn't it like uh yeah like yeah it, it would have been nice to have that type of uh of um of it uh, here's Here's the uh, the target you were talking about. Right. As I was talking, I was trying to find the target because I knew I had it. Um, that's nice to know that so that when we're sitting there talking about, you know, other countries that just do, yeah, they do things in metric, uh, I would imagine that would also cross over into uh, military as well. You know, we're, we're so used to shooting yards and they're shooting meters we're going to have the same problem with conversion of torque, right? They're going to be in newton meters. We're going to be in inch pounds. Depending upon the European nation or the platform, scope bases that are coming from Europe um, are generally going to show things in newton meters and things like that, whereas American companies, of course, are going to show it in inch pounds. So it's, it's just nice to have the easy conversion at hand. You, know, you can Google, you know, what's, inch pounds to newton meter or vice versa and there's calculators online i had to do it years ago building mountain bikes and figuring stuff out but 
you know, now we just, we provide this chart here to make life a lot easier for everybody. Yeah, that's so cool. Because what's, what's also nice is that you made it as download where you can just print it out and just toss it into a range bag too, right? I mean, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes like when I go shooting here, uh, I go up in, you know, up in the, um, the, far, the, uh, the national forest. A lot of times I don't have cell phone, cell phone coverage where I'm at. Um, so it's nice to just have that analog backup as well. Right. Now, one thing, you know, I know we've been, uh, we've been recording here for about 46 minutes. Uh, one thing I wanted to ask you about is, is the philosophy that, that Fix It 6 has is the three Ps. Would you mind talking a little bit about the three Ps? Uh, Cole, do you want to chime in for that, or do you want to bring that up on the on our web page here so you can see how we expound on it? Yeah, let's see. I, yeah, I don't know exactly. They put so much new good. stuff on the website. <laughs> Apparently, I need to do some more looking. Right. Sure it's there we go. Uh, let me so, see where oh, it is here. Oh, right there. Mm. Yeah, portable precision and performance. I mean, it's. The three P's with that, though, kind of it goes into what I was saying when we were first talking before Cole came. We're we're bringing a benchtop experience to the field, so portability is the utmost importance to us. From that is precision. We need to have the most precise tools. We can't be working with military units and having bits fail, having our luck fail. So you need to have precision involved in that. And performance is kind of overlaps from precision. If your product doesn't perform right, they're not going to come back to it time and again. So those are kind of, you know, it's it's getting that product out to the field. Now, we're not here to replace the gunsmith because there's other tools, specialties, you know, you're not going to drill and tap with our product, things like that. But we're going to keep your guns running. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, and, that's, and that's that's an important thing to understand is we're not we're not yeah we're not drilling and tapping out in the field we're just trying to keep an optic onto a gun and keeping it straight. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and I mean, there's a lot of people that are using our product, even as gunsmithing tools in their in their own shops, but they still have to yeah. supplement them. Mm -hmm. Sorry. Right. And no, you're good. And I, I mean, I have them in my Jeep. Uh, I have a kit in each one. I have two Jeeps. I have a kit in each one of my Jeeps. You know, you never know when you're going to fix anything there. Th this just goes so far beyond firearms. It's not even funny. Right. It originally started in the bicycle world and, you know, it's kind of come across. And we've really been pushing the firearm side because it is such a growing and expanding thing. But these are kits that you don't have to, you know, I've used them around the house to fix uh faucets you know i've used them to fix you know little things on the jeep and different things but there are new kits like the new big armors kits and things yes they've got a high price tag but you know when you're going to use that kit you're going to get exactly what you need to do you know we've been selling them to you know when when these le departments have their armors you know i, I did some work a while back with lvpd and all their armors and um las vegas has a ton of cops and they send their stuff in to get to the armors to get it done and their armors are using these big kits to do it and i still think that a lot of the le guys a lot of the military guys need to invest in these on their own personal level so that they can get comfortable with them and know how they operate because 
when shit hits the fan, you got to have some, some, you know, you've got to have some confidence in your products. And that's the biggest thing, you know, in, in, in long range precision shooting, if we lose confidence, everything else goes out the door. So you've got to have complete confidence in what you're working with. And that's what we've really been pushing super hard here at fix it sticks is we want to make sure you have confidence in everything we're doing so that you can focus on, you know, the task at hand. That's the big thing. Well, I mean, it kind of goes back to, um, you know, uh, military search and rescue and all that stuff. You need to trust your gear. If you don't trust your gear, you, it, you're not going to perform, right? So you need to get, you need to have competency with that gear. It's, you know, buy, you know, it's just like we say with, with new gun owners, just owning the gun is not going to save your life, right? You need to train with it. You need to work with it. You need to be able to maintain that, that firearm. Great. Just having the toolkits not good enough. You need to work with it. You need to build that confidence up with it. You need to trust it. And if you have a kit that, like we were talking earlier, that is being used by tier one operators, they've, they've become comfortable with that stuff pretty fast. And that's what they trust in the, in, in the field. So therefore, you know, the stuff's been, this stuff's been tested. You're not just buying something that is the newest thing that off the boat from China. Right, you're you're buying something that has been through a lot of testing, has been trusted by military, law enforcement, civilian, armorers, gunsmiths, and all that stuff already. So you're already one leg ahead. Another another yeah. fact that that uh, people should look at, you know, new shooters are coming in. Our our sport is growing, whether it's from the shooting sports or from defensive carry. And learning how to manipulate your firearm, not just drawing, shooting, carrying, but how to break it down, understanding the mechanics of it. You don't need to be a gunsmith, but maybe going that extra step past just removing your slide barrel and recoil spring, you know, with a Glock. People don't realize channel liners wear out if you're shooting enough. Firing pins maybe you want to put in a different firing pin something that's lighter more performance zev somebody like that you know you want to upgrade things nobody's saying you need to do you know trigger jobs on your guns but you should have the tools to facilitate all maintenance and understand it because god forbid something happens you know you i always try and keep spare firing pins to every gun at least i know if that broke i can fix it yeah, yeah. There are there are cheaper options to these too. There, there are, but you've got to come down to the fact that you trust your stuff to the cheaper options. Um, a lot of people are like, "Well, I'm not going to pay that much for that, you know, for your kit," and that's that's fine. You know, you uh, you have every possibility, but when it comes down to it, you know, it comes back to understanding and knowing that we're testing that more than probably anybody else is and there, there's there's a lot of options for everything out there but we, you know we we also stand behind it you know our return policies our warranty policies everything like that um you know all the way down to us responding to people on social media online different things trying to talk to them i'm always constantly trying talking talking through our social media to people how to fix things and you know we're, we're always trying to help too and that's one cool thing about fix it sticks is it's a small company everybody thinks oh fix it sticks must be this giant company and it's really not there's not a whole lot of us that, that are at fix it sticks you know and um people need to understand that we're, we're not this gigantic company that's just turning out as much quantity as we can turn out 
because that's not that's not our our model. It isn't. It's never been our model. And that's and you know that that's important to bring up about the customer service part of it. You know, I can get a punch everywhere, right? I, I can go down to Harbor Freight and get a Harbor Freight punch. Is it the greatest punch in the world? It might last. It might not. I don't know. But what happens if I don't? If I have a problem with it, the I mean the the guys at the at the store are just going to be like, I, I don't know. Whereas with a company that has the support behind it, it's like, hey, I got a question about this. Like, I'm if I have a, if I buy a Harbor Freight punch, I'm not going to ask them how to remove the extractor pin from the P365. They're going to be like, I have no idea. Whereas where I go, hey, I, I bought this tool from you know Fix It Sticks. It's a, a punch. It's, it's supposed to do you know a carbon scraper for a bolt carrot. How do I use it? At least you know I can ask a question. I can get an answer from a real person that knows the tool, knows the you know knows the firearms, knows what I'm dealing with, which is which is an amazing thing, because that drives me nuts. Where you have companies just I don't know. We have a tool. Great. Um, I, I part of also, well, <clears throat> part of what you're seeing too is like when I say we have dedicated uh, kits out there that I or some of our internal product developers, but we we reach out specifically. I live in New Hampshire. I work with Sig Sauer. I go to the academy. I talk to their armorers. I said, "What do you want to see in this? If we're doing a kit for you." They give me a checklist, I build it, you go back to them, they test it. We did this with Glock. We're doing this with a lot of manufacturers out there. So it's not like we're just sitting here going, I know it'll be cool. You know, let's build a toolkit for a Glock. Yeah. But that, rather than that, we go to Team Glock and to the Glock corporate offices, talk with their shooters and armorers to devise what's, what is the exact need for those firearms. Which is which is great because you know I've I've seen so many times where it's just like well you only need a punch to deal with a Glock yeah for most things yeah all all you do need a punch well I have to if I gotta go a little bit deeper into the gun you know great I have a punch but now I have a front sight screw that I gotta deal with too well obviously I don't need just a punch anymore um, well that front sight screw is small. It's up in the front of a slide. It's hard. It can be hard to get to. Not every nut driver is going to fit that thing. So going back to the people who use the tools, use it every day, and go, what do we need? What what is what is the tool that will work for this? If it doesn't exist, how do we create that? That's the one thing that I know you know goes on in the backside of Fixit Sticks, which is really an amazing thing. Um, I love seeing these new kits for guns coming out. You know, you know, like you're talking about, you have the SIG kit and all that stuff. I, I'm a big SIG shooter. Well, SIG guns have different tools than Glock guns, right? Um, arguably, SIG needs more tools than Glocks. But it's just one of those things of knowing that you're going to a company saying, what do we need to maintain these guns? And you're going to get the tools to do it is so much better than just going, I'm going to buy this thing off of eBay, and I have no idea where it's coming from. I have no idea if it's going to last. I have no idea if I can get support for it. Right. And I, I always say, you know, we have a cultivated and curated assortment of tools. We work with people, manufacturers, shooters, 
uh, guys like Cole that are out there shooting PRS and things like that, law enforcement, everybody, we take feedback from all across the board, you know, 360 degrees, and we funnel that into making the best kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we've been rolling almost an hour now. Uh, where can, And for everybody either watching or listening, we'll have links down below. But where can people reach Fix-It Sticks? Uh, www.fixitsticks.com. Very simple. Um, there is a contact us. If you need to contact the corporate office, you can reach out there for direct questions to customer service, or you can hit up social media and usually somebody like Cole will respond to you on a question that was particular to that. Yep. And it's just fix it sticks underscore official, uh, on Instagram and then just fix it sticks on, uh, Facebook. We had to change some stuff around on Instagram and got it all handled. And now everybody messages us and we try to share stuff and, uh, you know, we're one of those companies that we appreciate our customers. We're not the ones that, Oh, thanks for sharing, but we're not going to comment or share your stuff. So, if people, you know, do reach out, we try to answer every single one of them. But man, the amount of people that reach out, so um, it's we're we're trying, we're trying to keep up. As a small as a company as we are, we're working our butts off to make sure everybody gets handled. So. And, and I can attest to um, actually the Instagram. You guys do answer Instagram because you know at shot I lost a I lost a business card coming home, and I just hit uh, Instagram, sent a message, and God, so I think you got back to me in like. It was like a day. I don't even know if it was a full 24 hours and I had a response back. Um, it may even been hours. Um, I got an answer back. And it was it was amazing to get that thing. And, and trust me, everybody, when companies hear, hey, I'm a YouTuber, sometimes it's, it's tough to get through to people. But, you know, Cole mm. got right back to me going, yeah, we, we yep. can take care of that. Yep, I we keep an eye on that, um, and we've got a, a little group of people that shoot for us that are you know constantly giving us feedback. And you know, one of one of our shooters came up with our new little brass hammer thing. We're like, oh, well, we never thought of that. I, but, you know, we're I always saw that. That's so cool. Stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. So it's cool. it's just we're we're always open. Like if people have suggestions, I get a lot of people. Hey, I suggest you do this. Uh, here, I'm going to send you the link. We already do that. Go look at the website. But that happens a lot too. So, and I'm always constantly learning. I'm always yelling at Jimmy and everybody. I'm like, dude, I run the social media and I do a lot of the PR and stuff. How come I wasn't told that we're doing this yet? So we're always yelling <laughs> at each other too. But there's always cool new stuff coming out, and that's what makes it so exciting. Is is just current, constantly coming out with stuff. Yeah, there's there's a I lot know. of stuff coming up on the horizon. So. Which we're, we're definitely going to be keeping an eye out on the fixed sticks to, to see what's coming up. Um, I really can't wait to see what you guys have coming up because you guys have come up with some really amazing stuff. Uh, and I can't wait to it's, – it's, it's hard to think that we're closer to the next shot show than we were at the last shot show. So uh, yes. that, that's coming up pretty quick, and it's going to be, uh, it's going to be good getting back up to that booth again. Yeah, you can. You're welcome to set up a, a quick meeting with me if you want to do any filming with that. We can go over the new product. So it's whatever you choose to do at Shot Show. We are available to help and you know to spread that word to your fan base as well. Cool. Well, one thing I like to do at the end of a podcast is do a speed round, just kind of loosen things up. Uh, it'll be four this or that questions, and then what I call my one thinking question. 
So hearing protection is kind of important for me, especially since I'm starting to lose my hearing a little bit. So at the range, earplugs or earmuffs? For me, earmuffs. Okay. Cool. Yeah, depends on what I'm shooting. Uh, it's either in the ear. <laughs> my problem is, is I get headaches wearing my earmuffs. Yeah. I would rather have earmuffs, but I get headaches. So I've been yeah, really they searching kind of, for. They kind of press on the yeah. side. Good yeah. in the ear earplugs now, especially the custom molded ones are my go-to because I'm sick of getting headaches. But yeah, but I <laughs> it's earmuffs. Yeah. Years past, I used to do shooting events, and you know, you're in a in a shoot house or covered area. And then I'm doubling up earplugs and yeah. earmuffs, uh, mm-hmm. or 50 yeah. caliber shooting yeah. big guns. Mm-hmm. I, my wife alone will tell you I'm losing my hearing too. That's why suppressors are wonderful things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, they are. <laughs> so, so for pistol, nine millimeter or 45? I, I'm going to say now nine mil. I used to be at 45. But I think with the advent of new ballistics and the, the, the loading that companies like Hornady and guys are doing for defensive, you're getting more round capacity with a lot of terminal ballistic out of it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You can, I mean, you can't ever go wrong with the Lord's caliber, but you know, <laughs> it's, you know, if it's a 1911, it has to be a 45. But, yeah, I would agree um, with that. Yeah, but if it's if it's anything else, if it's personal defense, I want to have more rounds. Uh, I want to, you know, I want to be able to get on target fast and everything else. And I, yeah, definitely a nine. Okay. Um, for rifle, three hundred eight or two two three. I'm a three hundred eight shooter. I have five five six, but I definitely prefer shooting the larger bullet, longer, flatter in that yeah. case. Then, although. My favorite caliber is still a 300 blackout suppressed to 220. Yeah, it'll be 308 because I, I don't want right. anybody to get up after I put something on them. So <laughs> I want them to stay down. <laughs> just, just stay down. You just lay there. So, just, yeah, you know, a good there. 308, good 308 round to the chest will do, do wonders for there somebody. You go. Clear their lungs out. <laughs> <laughs> for, for shotgun. Pump action or break action? Pump. Over under, 100%. Love my over under. Over under. And for the final question, which is a thinking question, I'm going to take the two of you into the largest building in the world. And inside this building, if it has ever thrown a projectile anywhere from Dennis the Menace's slingshot all the way up to the deck gun of the Missouri, it's in there. If it's ever sh- if it's ever thrown a projectile, you can have one. It's already approved by everybody that you can own it, whether it's full auto, everything. What are you going to walk out with? Hmm. That's that's a that's tough why call. Um, I already know mine because I've shot it before, but I don't own it. I mean, one of my favorite guns. Go for it, Cole. M134 minigun. Oh, there you go. I had had someone on the – actually, this happened twice on the podcast on this question. Uh, Two people picked the Gal 8 off the uh, the A-10 Warthog. Mm, Yeah, if you could hold on to it. That'll do it, yeah. Well, well, 
I think for me, potentially, my favorite SMG is an MP5 SD. Mm. And, you know, definitely, you know, for that close up and quiet work, that's what I like. And you can't beat a roller delay, right? I mean, no. Yeah, it's, it's just so smooth. Yes. So, so, I mean, there's definitely something for that HK platform. A- absolutely. Well, gentlemen, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy days to talk to us today. I really appreciate you coming on and talking about Fix It Six. And for everybody on the podcast, like I said earlier, if you're either watching or listening, go down to the, uh, the, the description below for the links. So if you're listening to this on your, your evening commute or your morning commute, don't try to write down the address. Just come back to the description, click on the link, and we will get you over to Fix It Six. Guys, thanks so much again for, for joining me today. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. Yep. Happy to do so. We'll be talking more in the future, I'm sure, about some shooting. So, I'm sure we will. Thanks yeah. a lot. Loop me in. Yeah. <laughs> Those two were absolutely amazing to talk to. I had a great time talking to them on the podcast and even off the podcast because we've had a couple of conversations before. Cole and I have been on the cell phone a few times and then before and after the podcast with Josh. Definitely go check out Fix It Sticks because you don't want to have the big tackle box like I do lugging that around to the range. Get the tools you need and just put them into your bag and make sure they're portable instead of the boat anchor like I do. They got some great products and they got some really cool things that they're coming up with that will be revealed next year. Go check out Fix It Sticks. I have a link down below. Now for the product of the podcast, it is a shoulder holster right here from my friends over at Falco. This is really cool. It's all Kydex with leather straps. This is something that I'm getting ready to go play with now. And um, it's really nice to have your gun get that click right into the holster like we're used to when we're carrying on our side. Definitely a great product, something to definitely consider if you're looking to carry when you're carrying underneath a jacket or for me, when it gets into the colder times here in Montana. I have a link down below. If you're watching on YouTube, click that right there. That is a video about how to break in leather holsters. For everybody else, I have a link down below. Thanks for listening. Hope you're staying safe out there. I look forward to talking to you again soon.